Now Kerr, looking for the long Oh, that's brilliant. And Sam Kerr has surely clinched the title now. World-class players do world-class things. Welcome to another episode of Fran Kirby's Fight Club. It's been a minute. Sorry about that. A uh, little canceled game got in the way, but uh, we're, we're going to talk about that. However, when I say we're, it's not going to be Miriam because Miriam is deep into NBA coverage. If you're into basketball and you like the NBA, definitely read her coverage and check her out. Uh, she's doing a very good job on that, but also a lot of games kick off Pacific time here in the U.S., which is a wild thing to have to cover when you are based in the U.K., so I feel for her, but <laughs> letting her be on her schedule and doing that, but yeah, check out her coverage, and in her place on this podcast, in this episode is, y'all, you know, you know who it is, welcoming back to, the, uh, this is the third time, I believe, third time, is it? Mia Erickson is here, back to the Fight Club. Mia, how are you? Yeah, I, I feel so fussy and warm inside when you say my short name like that. <laughs> I'm going to say, yeah, I, I must admit that. And, you know, third time's a charm, or how do you say it? <laughs> the first two have been charming as well. So this one, hopefully we keep the trend going, because uh, that would be unfortunate if we have to change that saying uh, for from this podcast. I think we're going to be great. It's going to be fun. We have a lot to talk about, too. That's the other thing. There's been oh, yeah. a lot. Oh, yeah. So... We are, and I'm just going to tell you up front, this might be, we're, we're going to go a lot of places, but I think we're going to have a good conversation. So, rundown, what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about that match versus Liverpool that was canceled after six minutes. I know there's been a lot of discussion about that. It might be a tired subject, but I think we both have at least a point or two we want to make about that situation. Um, we're going to get into Chelsea's last two games, a 3-1 win over Spurs in the Conti Cup and a 3-2 win over Liverpool in the FA Cup. A little bit of tap-tap-boom action. We're going to talk about that. Neve Charles versus Ev Parise. We're going to talk about that. Jess Carter at left back over Magda Eriksson. That's an interesting thing. Ooh, I said Eriksson. I'm sorry. Eriksson, that's what I meant. Uh, Musevich and AKB. We're going to talk about that. Melly's return. Melanie Leupold is back on the pitch. Step back on the pitch today. And uh, we're also going to do a brief little update on Chelsea's new signing, Micah Hamano, the 18-year-old Japanese striker. Told y'all, we got a lot to talk about. So let's just start from the top. Let's start from the game that happened and then didn't happen. Six minutes versus Liverpool. Six minutes of sliding around on a very dangerous pitch before they finally called it off. Man, what was your reaction to that whole thing? Yeah, I think the thing is that, you know, when it happened, you have some, you have different reactions to when, from what you, how you see it today. Uh, because I do think that there's a lot of emotions just raging in 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 your body and mind, <laughs> both mm -hmm. both as a fan, as a journalist, and from just support a supporter uh, in the women's game. Um, so I do think, but you know, at that time, I was just like, okay, this is this is ridiculous. Uh, mm. I mean, how can it even happen? Um, because this is like. You, you can really feel in some way that, you know, the TV broadcasting companies, the league, the, the referees uh, and the clubs themselves and the players that they want the game to happen. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, like all the time. I mean, why wouldn't they? Uh, but the thing is also, dude, that I find very, very, I'm not sure if the right word is fun because it's not, <laughs> but yeah. I, I, all the time I keep telling my managers that I work with at my day job to, because I'm a communication manager that when we have something like very not nice to communicate or that we know that it's going to bring up you know, feelings in people's minds and bodies, whatever, that that is not very nice. It's always important to be honest. I do think that honesty is mm-hmm. the most important thing when you are going to communicate because, because communication is like building relationships. Mm-hmm. And the in the women's game, this is very important at the moment because you the clubs need to build relationships with their fans uh, the league needs need to build relationships with the fans and you know and everyone within the game has to build relationships to each other and and you know when when things like that happen um because what I, the communication said that one part had done and said one thing in the morning and and then the other communicator said another thing and then you can really feel that okay no one is taking responsibility for mm-hmm. what what happened no and and that's i mean till today i'm very confused and i'm kind of angry at that yeah yeah i think i, I think that's a great way to look at it too because and i think spotlighting relationships is the right way to look at it as well because in that moment clearly the only relationship they were thinking about was the TV broadcast. And that's why they went ahead with the game. And that was really bad. Um, I think when you look at it and you say, all right, if the game wasn't ready at night, if, if the pitch wasn't ready at 930 in the morning and you look at the weather and you know it's not supposed to get substantially warmer in those three hours that are leading up to kickoff, then the pitch is just not going to be playable. I know they did some things to try to heat it up, but I mean, even in those six minutes, you saw we all saw how dangerous that was with all the sliding around. That was just really, really bad. I mean, I, I think Aaron Cuthbert fell one time and like grabbed her hip and already had like a bruise that was there and was just like, what are we doing? So, I mean, I guess at least they had the 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 reaction to say, all right, this is too dangerous. But it's also like you knew that three hours ago. So why did you wait? And, I, you know, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about, about this, because and I know, again, this has been talked about a lot since it happened. A lot of people on a lot of podcasts have spoken about this. And one thing that came up and like you said, in the in the heat of it, when people were, were angry about it, was like nobody's playing at Stanford Bridge. Why can't that be a, a possibility? And then later on, you know, in podcasts, people started to explain like how much it actually takes to be able to open a stadium like Stanford Bridge. You can't just move the game. You need more staff. You need the ability to like sell tickets and do all of that stuff. And for me, I agree. Once you're making that that call on that day, it's already too late. But my thing was, where what's the plan B? You know, if if Kings Meadow is going to have this pit situation where you're not going to be able to play on it because when it's when the temperature gets to a certain point and it's going to freeze then you enact maybe even a couple days before say okay Stanford Bridge is open we need to start funneling resources to be able to open that stadium as a plan b so that we can have this game I agree with people who says like day of you can't make that call but I think you can absolutely make that call 
in in the week when you look at the weather forecast and say, hey, this looks like it's going to be a problem. We're in a like kind of like a cold streak right now, and the pitch at Kings Meadow isn't going to be playable. We do have another pitch. We need to move it there. And I know there's you know for travel and fans and everything, maybe that's a different thing. But I still think that it should be a plan B, and it doesn't seem like it was ever thought of. Yeah, and I, I actually I've been thinking about this myself the last couple of days that we are speaking so much about equality in the game, mm-hmm. but the thing is that it's not even equal in every league, uh, mm-hmm. like between clubs, and and so I do think that this is this is like it's so easy to say that uh, okay uh, every club that that plays in the Women's Super League in, in the UK should have under heat soiled uh, mm-hmm. like grounds. But the thing is that we have so much to deal with uh, that that could be more important for the athletes themselves mm-hmm. to, in order to keep up and, and play a full career. Um, so I, I do think that you are right because... You, you can't keep doing that because because not all clubs would be able to have a Stamford Bridge to open yeah. even two days before. Yeah. So this is the thing that that there are so many other things to deal with uh, around it. But I do think that it, it's also a fact that you know when when a game uh, like like this game got postponed in the way it did, it's also about the schedule. Like we mm-hmm. know that this is this is going to be a hard match to fit in yep. uh, so the thing is that even if you n- know th- that the weather is going to be what it's going to be <laughs> obviously ac- according to the forecast uh, I do think that everyone wants the game to be played Yeah, there's no doubt about that but someone has to take the responsibility for it and I, I don't think that no one did yeah yeah, that's very true. And yeah, there was, you know, Jonas Eidevall said as well, like, I don't know if that's the best resources to do undersoil heating. And it almost seemed like, you know, he has this rivalry with Emma Hayes. And so she made a big deal about undersoil heating. And so he goes the other way. It almost seems a little interesting that he was the one to say that, but I also don't disagree with him. But, you know, from a player safety and longevity standpoint, like you mentioned, also factoring in the future schedule is a part of that as well. You know, when this game has to get played, it's particularly for Chelsea, like Liverpool aren't in as many competitions, but Chelsea, you know, given Champions League starts up in in March, they're already, you know, in the both cup domestic competitions plus the league. They're already playing midweek. There's going to be an international break where all of their players, just about all their players are going to be gone and then coming back. So it's going to be a lot. And these are always things that all that, that really never factor in when it comes to, you know, a plan B. Plan B is to postpone the game and put it on the schedule. But we also saw, particularly during the kind of that, that what was it, the 2020-2021 season when things got, you know, or maybe it was 21-22 when there were so many COVID postponements and then teams were playing every two, three days, that was also not good for the players. So um, these, these rescheduling of games can also be part of that. Um, all right. I said I didn't want to spend a ton of time on that. Sorry, but we had to we had to talk about it. It was a thing that happened and we didn't talk about it here. So I'm glad we talked about it. Let's get on to match action because Chelsea did have a game that did go on and the pitch was cold, but it was not frozen. Big difference. That's exciting. Uh, so this game continued. It was 3-1 Chelsea beating Spurs in the Conti Cup. They moved on to the semifinal. They will uh, they used 
Two Sam Kerr goals, one in the 38th minute, one in the 86th minute, and a Fran Kirby goal in the 68th minute. Fran Kirby came off the bench to score that. And then Drew Spence, just very mean, out of nowhere, in the 90, 94th minute of uh, second half stoppage time, uh, well, uh, of second of the second half, just decided that she's going to dribble by a couple players and just smash the ball at the top of the box and scored a really, really amazing goal. But it was, of course, too little, much too late, thankfully. Um Mia, you know one thing that I thought was very interesting about this game? I thought Fran Kirby's celebration was interesting about this because she scores that goal. I mean, it was 1-0, and you know, Chelsea Spurs have a history, particularly on the men's side is kind of where it started. Spurs haven't really been to any sort of actual competition for trophies or anything regarding, you know, the WSL and and Chelsea, but this was an interesting one. Uh, Fran Kirby doesn't show a ton. And I don't know what this celebration meant, but I was like, are we getting a Chelsea Spurs rivalry in the WSL? Because I'm here for it. I think so. I mean, <laughs> that was sort of... And you know, with with the, you know, bl- the black fingers she had because she had... Uh, Mm-hmm. She was frozen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I think it, it was, yeah, I think I think it's good that we can see stuff like that. And also because of the fact that probably I think we all uh, went into watch that game with some curiosity about a certain Bethany England, what, what yeah. she was going to bring to this Tottenham side. Um, so maybe that was like, okay, you can, you can maybe buy one of the best players in the league, but it didn't work (laughs) (laughs) or something like that. (laughs) That's a good point. And actually, you know, watching that game, I remember the first 20, 25 minutes of that game, Bethany England was making those, those runs out wide. And I was like, why are we acting like we're unfamiliar with Bethany England's game? (laughs) This is like, she can do this. And I was just very terrified of her getting on the ball, cutting inside and then shooting long distance on her right or left because she's good at, we've seen her do it to, she did it to Spurs. She's done it to Manchester city. She does it a lot. And so I was like, are we really just going to defend her? Like we don't know who this player is. And luckily we didn't really get burned by that, but you know, then that Drew spin shot did happen and that hurt too. So. It was unfortunate. Um, um, I also want to talk I, a bit about Conrad's assist. This was another... Chelsea keep doing this. This, like, the, the there's a foul. The other team is complaining, and they just spot the ball and play, play on, and the ref just allows it. I think this is the third goal this season they've scored like this. First of all, what do you think about the tactic before we get into talking about the player? Uh, I think it's a great tactic because, obviously, it's, it's working. <laughs> but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, the thing is that I was so happy for Johanna when she did mm-hmm. actually made re- she really succeed succeeded with with that assist. Uh, I was so happy for her because I do think that she is she is also one player, obviously a Swedish one. So I have, <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I'm on her side every step of the step of the way, but. But the thing is that she is also she is that kind of player that that can make those assists. So I thought that was very good to see. Um, you could really see that these free kicks uh, is something that they have talked about, uh, trained probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, obviously, I think today they, the ref sort of said stop. We're not doing that today <laughs> for one of the free kicks. So 
uh, they are getting famous for it mm-hmm. among the refs too. So let's yeah, see what yeah. happens. Saying, I, let's see what happens. I, I did wonder when refs might be like, "All right, that's enough of that." Because I'm sure teams are complaining behind the scenes too. Because this this has been, uh, like I said, I really think it's the third goal that they've scored this way. Yeah. Um, I did want to give her a shout out on that assist too, because that was not an easy pass to make. At first, when she when she made the pass, I thought I thought the 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 weight of the ball seemed too weak to be a shot, but I knew it was nowhere near the goal. So I was like, what did she just do? And then Sam Kerr is there and just a really nice little Sam Kerr is such an interesting finisher. We're gonna talk about her a little bit more later, yeah. but yeah. just like she had missed a couple like much easier chances than that one. And then she just does this like quick first time stab, left the ball, you know, kind of like it's it's almost like a stab chip situation that just floated over the goalkeeper into the back of the net just out of nowhere. And I was like, where, where did that come from? <laughs> but it's Sam Kerr, so she just scores goals. Yeah, I mean, and and maybe she had saved that little chip uh, for mm-hmm. one of these uh, quick free kicks <laughs> or something. <laughs> But it yeah it it it's it's actually kind of you feel refreshed uh, when you see you see uh, tactics like that when it comes mm-hmm. to set pieces. Yeah. Uh, actually, I do think I thought about it the other day when I when I sort of realized that okay, Jelena Chankovic is there to to take free kicks mm-hmm. uh, and the set pieces like in general uh, because. I do think that Chelsea have had it kind of tough with creating something really good from set pieces mm-hmm. um, compared to many other teams that really can take advantage of the fact, like, now I'm going to compare them to Barcelona, but if you see Barcelona having a free kick just outside the penalty area, you know mm-hmm. that it's going to be a goal or almost a goal, but I don't yeah. think that Chelsea has been anywhere near that when... So I think it, this is this is fresh new things, uh, and obviously they are working. So keep keep on doing them. Unless the referees stop you, which this one, yeah. the one today <laughs> exactly. did. We'll see if they if that's a consistent thing throughout the rest of the season. Um, also wanted a couple lineup notes for this game, and we've got. I'm just going to mention it because we're going to have deeper conversations in the next section when we talk about today's game. But Jess Carter was in at left back, was which interesting. Uh, Parise came in at right back, which was interesting because Neve Charles started against Arsenal. And I thought that, you know, we all kind of saw how that went. It almost seemed like that was not the game to start Charles. So we're going to talk about that a bit. Uh, and then, as uh, Mia just said, Chankovic was the 10 uh, on the on this day. So that was an interesting one. So let's move on to today's match, the Liverpool match. 3-2, to two, which is an unfortunate scoreline. It feels like Liverpool is just becoming Chelsea's new Brighton, where this they're... they're Talent-wise, there's a gap, but for some reason, when these two teams play, it's never a normal game. You know, they beat Chelsea in the season opener, and the 3-2 scoreline may flatter them a bit, but also it got a little scary there, Gemma Bonner scoring in the 85th minute. Uh, so Siri Holland was the other goal scorer for Liverpool. She scored in the 67th minute, um, and then it was a Sam Kerr hat trick, 32nd minute, 52nd minute, 79th minute. Um, and there was a particular goal where Mia tweeted about Sam Kerr uh, on this team. And she she mentioned the style of attack that Chelsea had with her as being tap, tap, boom, ball. And honestly, I love that description. And can you tell the people what you meant by that? 
yeah, it's a very direct uh, kind of football, you can say. But <laughs> I, I, I always think that I, I've seen people call call those goals real team goals, mm. if you know what I mean, mm. because it it cuts through every part uh, of mm. the pitch, like from from obviously from um, often from a centre back, and and today it was Kadisha Buchanan uh, mm. putting a kind of hard and straight ball in centrally to to one of the midfielders or wingers to to catch sort of mm-hmm. but when these these things uh, happen they often just one touch pass out wide uh, for one of the fullbacks or wingers uh, and and this was like Buchanan to James James to Charles and then I think she carried the ball uh, to the edge, like mm-hmm. down to the sideline before she just did a cross, but it was a cutback uh, because I'm pretty sure that Neem Charles, I'm pretty sure that everyone that gets the ball out wide in Chelsea are told to put it where it ended up because Sam mm-hmm. Kerr will be there. Yeah. Um, and then it was... Another one touch, <laughs> you could say, uh, because Sam Kerr sco- scored on a volley. Uh, very another another goal. strike that is surprising yeah. from Sam Kerr. Like, where did that come from? <laughs> exactly, and uh, but but this is the thing that it. I I do feel that we we get to see the, this tap tap boom ball <laughs> a mm-hmm. lot in the WSL or when they play English team, but we haven't seen it yet. I, I I'm gonna dare to say that now in the Champions League mm-hmm. because this is like this is a very like direct kind of football and and they play like that and it works in the WSL but I want to see Sam Kerr score goals like that in the Champions League as well and and become that player for Chelsea in that tournament too so it's going to be interesting to see because I do think that if if they meet like that ball from Kadisha Buchanan to Lauren mm-hmm. James if you meet if you go up against a team with a really good defensive midfield, they won't let Lauren James do that. Right. Yep. Like they won't. She she wouldn't have the time. She would have a player right up uh, against her in in a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's an interesting way. But this is the Chelsea we know, and and it's very good and fun to see. Uh, obviously, but I do call them a very typical uh, Chelsea goal. Yeah, and I, and I love the description because it is so accurate. You know, I think they're, everybody knows about the tiki-taka style of play. They know about, you know, counter-pressing and quick attacks and all of that. And and there are some elements of some of that, but it's it's a very direct, like like Mia said, it's a much more direct style of passing um, where you can kind of tell exactly where Chelsea's going, wants to get the ball, but they're doing it so quickly and the players are moving kind of on one page when these things happen well that there's not a lot you can do to stop it. And... You know, I, I do want to take a break. I know I've said twice that like where that strike come from from Sam Kerr. I want people to understand. I know Sam Kerr is a Golden Boot winner on three different continents. I know she is an incredible goal scorer. But watching her in the NWSL, you know, some of her some of her time in Australia and then in the NWSL and now in the WSL, I've seen Sam Kerr score a bunch of different types of goals. But thinking back to say last year, um, the the final game of the season when she scored those two against Manchester United. Those are those are shots that you're not used to seeing Sam Kerr take because she's so efficient in the box. 
with her movement that she's able to get, you know, it's still important contact and it's still important to direct it, whether head or foot. But some of these volleyed shots, volleyed strikes that she's taking, some of these first time close range chip, we've seen her do a long range chip. She's good at those. Um, I think about the rainbow one she hit in that uh, preseason tournament in uh, in August against Lyon, where she just like like scraped the moon with that one and then it dropped down in the goal. Uh, the, the chip with this was just different. And this volley was different too, because getting her foot at that angle. And again, like Mia said, it was a cutback. So the ball was coming from a very different angle than just like being lobbed into you from behind you. You can catch up to those when you have to like reposition your body to strike a ball that's coming at you from a different angle, like to your in front of your body. That's different. And she used the right foot and put enough on it to change the direction of the shot back into the right, like top corner. And I was just like, hey, if she's scoring goals like that now, like <laughs> I just don't I, I don't know what anybody's supposed to do. No, and and the thing is that I I do think that she had chances to like score six goals in this game today, mm. but and obviously, like you say, that we're not used to to see some score score goals like the first one. But then she had, I think it was after the second one, she had a one v one situation. Mm. She had mm, a yeah. one of the Liverpool defenders. Uh, kind of close to her put pressure on her but that's the thing another striker might have killed killed that one off uh, mm-hmm. but but when Sam Kerr doesn't do it it doesn't matter because she, like you said she's so efficient um <laughs> yeah. anyway but but those situations that that's not Sam Kerr ball <laughs> you know <laughs> she she needs you know the 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 crosses and the the to get the the right Sam Kerr movement uh, mm-hmm. inside the box and I was so I, I was like okay what is Liverpool doing <laughs> like because the, the, the two second goals the, the like the two goals she scored after the first one they mm-hmm. were so typical Sam Kerr and <laughs> no one paid attention to her no one I it's mean it's funny how was, that tends to happen yeah. She could have had a cup of tea, like that was mm. the time she she <laughs> was given uh, by the Liverpool Liverpool backline um, before she scored those goals. So I I was like, when Liverpool uh, is watching that those goals back, they're gonna mm. be so disappointed. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's actually you know. Of course, we had broadcast issues with this game. It was not available in the U.S., so this was an interesting one. Um, but I think that whenever you have any like multi-goal game from Sam Kerr, and she pops up in some areas in the box, then scores like a, a number of goals in the box, I always think it's worth going back and rewatching the game and just tracking her the entire game, full ninety minutes. Just just keep your eye on her. You know, you can watch the ball from time to time, but just watch Sam Kerr. Her work rate, number one, is outrageous. She never stops. And she has so many different things she does to unsettle a defender that they don't know what's coming at what particular time. So every now and then that pays off in moments like this, where suddenly she's in a lot of space with the ball and it's because she's completely unsettled the defense and they don't know what's happening when the the thing that's going to happen is only the most obvious thing to everybody else watching, but they're worried about... 10 other things that Sam Kerr gave them something to worry about. And it's just like, she, she does this very, very well. And it's, it's so good. And it's so fun. It's almost why she has to start every game 
because part of that's part of her game is just giving defenders so much to worry about from her that you know it's it's almost like if she came in at like the 60th minute she wouldn't have the time to have that much that kind of impact but because she does and she's out there and she never stops coming at them and making moves and making runs and doing things that they have to be aware of that their minds are spinning and suddenly she's got one of the what looks like an easy goal but it's built on the fact that she's just done so much to defense that they're just like of course she scores in the most easiest way when I was thinking about these other things that happened to me in this game that luckily didn't result in a goal or maybe they did so you know uh, I just think she's a fascinating player yeah I I think I I think so too and and because it looks so easy but like you said Mm -hmm. if you watch a full I mean football is never easy I, I I think but the thing is that I I'm just so I was really fascinated about the fact that you could see that Liverpool they had no clue. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, well, but that's Sam Kerr. We all we all know that. Exactly. Yep. 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 Uh, and and another note on Sam Kerr. I believe she moved into number two all time in Chelsea uh, women scoring. Um, Frank Kirby is number one, of course, the great Frank Kirby, namesake of this podcast. Um, I think she's still quite a ways away, but the fact that she's number two already is kind of an outrageous thing and just speaks to as much as, you know, and Mia said it in this game, and these things are true. This is the this is the fun thing, about, another fun thing about Sam Kerr. While it's true she could have scored five or six on, on, on to, like today, she scored enough. And then we always talk about chances that she doesn't score, but then you look at the overall goal numbers and you're like, okay, if she put those away too, we're talking an outrageous, like you could almost double her tally. And that just, that seems like a wild thing to say, but it's also true. Um, Okay, let's get into, I want to talk about Neve Charles a bit because it seems like Emma Hayes is struggling between Neve Charles, who had two assists on on two Sam Kerr goals today, and Ave Parise, um, the the who I thought when Parise was signed in the summer, this was going to be Chelsea's new starting right back. Um, it seemed like that's we we've talked about it before on this podcast many many times. Fullback has always has been for a number of years an area of need within this Chelsea team. We got one. It was an one with a lot of international experience, very solid right back. Thinking, okay, that's what we need. And as we talked earlier, Neve Charles starts the Arsenal game. Neve Charles starts um, this game. And, you know, the last game she started at Paris a, and maybe she didn't see the attacking impetus that she wants to see. Whereas Neve Charles, she's kind of a turned directly, basically a converted winger into the right back position. So we know she's very good at playing on that side and an attacking perspective. But against Arsenal, you saw the defensive deficiencies. So, like, how do you view this battle? And, and you can also see Emma Hayes is like, when you see Neve Charles, she's expecting Chelsea to dominate the game. When you see Eve Parise, she may be a little concerned more defensively. So how do you see the two, the battle between the two shaping up right now? Uh, I do think there's a bigger picture behind this. Um, mm-hmm. I do think that we're going to come come back to that later. But I do think that <laughs> this is where the Jess Carter, mm-hmm. Magda thing comes in as well. Because I do think that Emma doesn't she doesn't have her back four yeah. uh, for many reasons. Um, I do think that Yves Perse and uh, Neem Charles and Jess Carter, they can all play both right and left fullback. Mm-hmm. But none of them is left-footed. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that 
Cup games uh, creates a good opportunity to rotate um, mm-hmm. this position. Um, that's one thing. But I do think, and I'm gonna. I also think that it's it's kind of hard because Nim Charles is an English player, mm-hmm. and Chelsea is an English team, and we have an English women's super league. Um, so. With that being said, I do think that Eve Perse is a better player because she's mm-hmm. a better all-round player. Uh, if Neem Charles doesn't get the opportunity to advance up the pitch, I do think that we see that she struggles defensively. Mm-hmm. If she, on the other hand, gets to advance uh, high up the pitch in games like versus Tottenham uh, and Liverpool, because Chelsea know that they are going to have the opportunity to do that in, in with these uh, opponents, then Neem Charles is a great player. Mm-hmm. But I do think that if you, if you can see her, uh, like you said, uh, against Arsenal, then she struggle, struggles. Because if, she, if Chelsea goes up against the team where the the opponents have great players all over the pitch that can disturb Chelsea's weaknesses. Uh, I think it shows that Chelsea's back four is not decided, if you know yeah. what I mean by that. Yeah, definitely. And I think I think that's right. I think if, if Perisay could have if she could have a run of games where she, you know, maybe scores a goal, gets, you know, two or three assists, I think the position will become hers. But when you have Charles out there She's just another attacking player, you know. Exactly, and I, exactly. I, good yeah, way to put I, it. Yeah, and I and I thought it was very interesting versus Arsenal that you could really see the defensive the the difference in their defensive approach. Neve Charles is tenacious. She's athletic. She's very good. You know, she can she can you know recover well. She's good at getting in the way, but she's not a natural defender. And I think when you saw Paris, particularly come into that Arsenal game. There was just certain simple things for a defender. I'll say simple, not, not for anybody who's not a defender to learn because it's hard, but um, just with her body positioning. You know, when they would try to play those one twos around her, she was just positioning herself to make sure the angle of the pass wasn't so easy to give herself, you know, to give the, you know, give some hesitation there, prevent a pass from going through in, a, in an easy way where she wasn't having to then turn and make a recovery run or recovery tackle. And I think you could just see that. Parise does those things naturally, instinctually, because she's been a defender so long and a, and a top quality one, whereas Neve Charles doesn't have that. But like you said, when we have the ball, it's almost like, you know what it makes you think? I was, we talked about the NBA when we first started it in Merriam. It's like when, when Chelsea gets the ball, we need to call a timeout <laughs> and sub in uh, Neve Charles. And then when we lose the ball, another timeout and sub in, and sub yeah, in Parise. Like It's almost like that's what we need to do. Yeah, because that's the, also the thing that you know it's 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 about being a fullback all round, an all round fullback, and yeah. I do think that's what Emma Hayes uh, like. Um, what do you say? Advantage to many opponents mm-hmm. as well that you she has that oppor- like opportunity and choice to choose. Like, okay, do do I have to play a, a fullback today? That that can defend, like yeah. really defend, um, and then you have you have so many. I I think this is also the fact is that look at a player like Magda, that she mm-hmm. is she has the experience from big games. Yeah. 
individual. She might not be the best defender. She might mm-hmm. not be the best like going forward, uh, playing fullback, but she has the experience in the big games. Uh, and that, I mean, Nim Charles, obviously she's starting to, to catch up on that because she's in Chelsea and they play a lot of important games, but she's not there yet. And I yeah. do think that Eve Perisay, she has played big games with France, like knockout mm-hmm. games in big tournaments, but she hasn't in, in league football. So I do think that this is this is just a position that Chelsea really needs to recruit well in. Uh, and obviously they if it's true that they went for Katie McCabe, I think that it's it's quite quite reasonable for Chelsea to do that because she's an experienced WSL mm-hmm. player. Um and she she's a national team player for her country and she knows Obviously, because I do think that Arsenal have the, the same like goals before going into a season that we're going to win everything. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, why wouldn't they go after her? Yeah, yeah. And of course, you know, why would Arsenal let her leave the Chelsea? Well, it doesn't seem like they want to do that. So that's probably no, not, not going to happen. I, I, don't think it, I don't think it will in this window, but yeah. I'm quite curious to see how this will play out in the summer because yeah. she, is only, she only has um, 12 months left of her contract yeah. with Arsenal. Um, I mean, then. So, but, but they need a... Fu- I, I can say this, that I think Chelsea need a fullback like Katie McCabe. I'm not mm-hmm. saying it, it, it has to be her, but yeah. they're going to have to do that in order to keep on competing uh, at the level that they are on at the moment. And, you know, I, I will, I'll, I'll just say this because I want to get into Magda as well, because we have seen Jess Carter fill in at left back. And I think when you look at the players who Chelsea have available, that left back role is kind of critical to being able to do sometimes you're a left sided center back, sometimes you're a left back. And really, even though, like you mentioned, Jess Carter is right, naturally right footed, uh, whereas Magda is naturally left footed, it's still a different. Um, it, she's really the only other player who could kind of even give you the option to do that. Um, real quick on Parise, I will say, I know she's a good crosser of the ball, though. That's the other thing that it's frustrating. So I'm like, if she could just get in sync with Sam Kerr. Like assist a couple Sam Kerr goals, and I feel like we're good. Like she's got that locked down, so I'm I'm kind of pulling for her to do that because I feel like she already has the defensive stuff, and she's good enough on the ball. Okay, all right, we're gonna move on. I'm sorry, I <laughs> just wanted to say that. Um, yeah, let, let's talk about Magda because it does seem like Jess Carter has started the last two games uh, at that left back position, and that seems kind of an interesting one to me we've we have talked spoken with with you as well on the podcast about magda in this left back position so what do you think now do you think this is just giving giving magda a rest or do you think maybe emma hayes is kind of unsettled with her as the set left back option and she wants to see what else she has and and jess carter uh, again, uh, a lot to take in uh, yeah. to this perspective, I think. But um, if I'm going to reason about this, you, you, for, for the first thing uh, is that Anik Nguyen is now not at Chelsea this second half of the season. So yeah. they need a backup centre-back. And mm-hmm. I do think that one thing about Magda being on the bench for, bench for, for these two games, that could be it. she might end up there to be mm-hmm. the backup center back um that's that's one thing 
the other thing is what we, I mean, I think all, uh, everyone is discussing at the moment. Um, will she stay or will she go? And I do think that if it's true that Chelsea have, have only offered Panilla and Magda a 12-month extension, hmm. I mean, I, I would not stay uh, and take that offer if I were Magda, was Magda, because obviously that means that you're going to end up being the bench player next season. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we have to talk about this uh, from the perspective that she is leaving. Uh, and if she's leaving, I do think that I have a hard time seeing Magda being on the bench for these really big games that will come up. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't think, even though if Emma Hayes play with Jess Carter and Neem Charles uh, like today, she will risk out. She will she will take a big risk in the Champions League and in the league title race. Um, with that being said, I don't think that that Jess Carter or Neem Charles or Eve Perisay is not good enough backups to Magda. But I yeah. do think that you have to be really careful when you choose your backline in in these big games. Um, with coming back to Magda's experience, I I don't think that Magda we have seen the best uh, level of Magda this season that we have seen the other seasons. Um, but I have a hard time seeing, with with the squad that Chelsea has at the moment, I have a hard time seeing Magda on the bench if they're going to, like, for example, go up against uh, Lyon in the yeah. quarterfinal of the Champions yeah. League. Yeah, I think that's good. I, I, I'm... I was, you know, over here in my feelings, in my emotions, talking about Magda leaving Chelsea. I don't, I don't want that to happen. But yeah, I know the contract status. I know the negotiations are con- apparently ongoing. But the fact that we've announced so many extensions already and still not Magda or Panilla, I'm concerned about that. And you kind of look at it from that lens and you see Jess Carter starting now. And it's not like Jess Carter doesn't deserve a start here and there. It's just that we see that, like like Mia said, the the back line is unsettled. And so it does seem like Emma Hayes is trying to figure something out. And if, you know, she feels more comfortable with Jess Carter out there, given the contract situation on top of that, maybe you're looking at a scenario where that's what it becomes for the rest of the season. And I don't know. I, I'm, I agree with you. And that's why it's going to be an interesting thing when there's an important game that pops up, who's on that left side? I 100% want it to be Magda, but it's going to be interesting now, given how many times we've seen Jess Carter in that role, who's, you know, for, for to, to be completely honest, yes, games against, you know, Liverpool and Spurs, but done fairly well, done fairly well. So, you know, and, and that is not, like you said, it's not a natural side of the pitch. It, does, it doesn't rely on her, you know, natural right foot over, over there, but she's also... <laughs> She's also very much trying to show that she has a left foot too. So that's uh that's also another part of this as well. It does seem like she's kind of been told that hey, if you can if you can do this over here, that's your route into the starting eleven from time to time. So we'll have to see. And another for a team that's so good and winning so many times, Chelsea has a lot of question marks and a lot of interesting things personnel wise. So another one we got is suddenly Musovic. So Shira Musovic seems to be 
starting for Ann Kouchenberger now um, happened in the PSG match, the last Champions League game uh, in Chelsea's last game of 2022. Played well in that match. Started against Arsenal. Started these two matches. Has she just taken over from AKB? Or is this kind of like knowing her contract status as well? Because she's out of contract in the summer as well with Chelsea. Is this just our last time to see what we have in her before we have to make a decision to rather extend her or look elsewhere? Yeah, I mean, you, you actually said what's been on my mind um, <laughs> for, the, for the last couple of months, I think, all, almost, that you're going to have to give Sechira Musovic a fair uh, chance to prove herself. And I don't think she, she has had that uh, till now. Mm-hmm. So if this is going to keep up, I'm going to be very confused. Uh, if Let's say that she, she does well uh, and then she doesn't get a contract extension uh, or stuff like that. But then you have, have this, okay, what, 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 where does that leave AKB? Uh, because she has got a contract ex- extension. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm with you on that. I think that this is do or die for hmm. Sechira Musovic. Uh, I really think it is. And I can see so many scenarios around the goalkeeping situation in Chelsea at the moment. Um, I can see that Chelsea can give Sechira Musovic an extension. She is 25, I think. Uh, she's not that old. Um, I can see that this Nikki Evrod rumor that she has signed for Chelsea, that it's true that mm-hmm. she will come in uh, in the summer and they will get Sechira an extension and that they will keep AKB and that they will loan Sechira out mm-hmm. to, to get game, game time. Um, I can also see that she won't get the extension. Um, I can see that she gets the extension and Nikki Evrod <laughs> comes in and I can see that I don't think that they extended AKB that long, if I'm not mistaken, um, till 2024, perhaps, with the option to extend for another year. And then we could see AKB end up uh, in the same situation as Carly Telford did. Um, but but then you have the academy goalkeeper and, and we have other rumors <laughs> about other keepers from other leagues that Chelsea is interested in as well. So this is a very confusing situation so i'm with you on the fact that a lot of question marks but still a big squad with quality players but yeah yeah this one has been interesting to me because i i I think it's basically like chelsea looked at you know the contract maybe they like you know logged in and saw like when does everybody's contract and and we're like oh we 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 gotta see what we have in musovic right now like we haven't really played her all that often um, only in certain games, you know, games where you're not expected for her to be tested a lot, and suddenly realize we got to figure out what we have here. Um, I did look it up while you were speaking. She is 26, turning 27 in May, and Nikki Everard, who you also mentioned, is 27. I believe she turns 28 in May. So this is also interesting to, to think about the closeness in age, and you know, AKB's older, she's in the 30s, um, but just kind of wondering what is going on with this position. And I, I'm I'm kind of with you. I think it does seem like this is Musovic's time to perform, and we'll see what happens. Again, kind of like the previous conversation about Magda, when Chelsea has a big opponent coming up, it's going to be interesting to see who's in goal. Um, 
because I think Musevich has had some bright spots. I think she's also had some spots where, you know, teams have shot directly at her, particularly Arsenal, which thank you for doing that. Um, but I think she's also had some good saves mixed in there too. So I guess I'll ask you, what have you made of her performances in this kind of random run of starts that she's had? Uh, I think it's fair to say that I do think that she's rusty in mm. in match uh, situations and minutes. Uh, also think that uh, with with the back line that mm-hmm. uh, doesn't keep seem settled th- yeah. that you can see that as well because it's very important for a goalkeeper to have good communication and and collaboration with your backline. So I do think that I'm not ready to evaluate Sechira mm. Musovic uh, for Chelsea yet. Mm-hmm. If if this is the situation in like, so let's say a month from now, mm-hmm. um, then... I could probably answer. But right now, I do think that Sechira is doing well. She's she's doing what is expected of her, but she hasn't had enough games to like for me to say that, okay, this this is starting to look really good because yeah. I'm not there yet. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's completely fair. Um, one thing I will say is I do like her distribution. Um, so we'll have to see what's what goes on with the shot stopping and some of the other things that come in, to come into play, particularly claiming crosses, because apparently Chelsea, you know, that, that, old, yeah, that old thing is happening again. Uh, corner kicks today. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah, exactly. Those, those, whenever, whenever that kind of happens, I'm, I get extremely frustrated because I'm like, you are a very well-organized and composed team who knows what they want to do. And then just when a corner kick happens, you all turn into like, I don't know. You just start bouncing into each other, and then who knows what happens. So I don't. I don't love that that's back, but hopefully that gets settled soon. Um, couple other I, notes. I, I need to say oh. this though, because yes, Liverpool and Brighton played each other in the FA Cup <laughs> uh, on the men's side today. And then mm-hmm. I am pretty sure if everyone goes back to watch that uh, free kick, uh, mm-hmm. also known as set piece, uh, mm-hmm. that Brighton scored uh, on Liverpool, I can say that. Chelsea women weren't that bad. So that's always something. Just going to say that. I appreciate you saying that, yes. Find the clip um, and look at it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I absolutely appreciate that. Um, Two other notes from this game. Uh, We talked about Neve Charles having two assists in this game. The other one was from Fran Kirby, which means that was the first Kirby connection since late November of 2021. That's kind of wild. And that happened to be their 30th combined goal, either scoring or assisting from one another. Another note, Melanie Leupold's came on the came on the pitch for the first time. A random just popped up at training when they were at their warm weather training in Spain. And then a day later, people were, well, th- that day, everybody's like, hey, Melly's there. That's great. And then a day later, they announced an extension. And now she's on the pitch again for the first time since giving birth. Uh, 83rd minute sub coming on for Aaron Cuthbert. Just for, for you, I guess, um, I thought it was really a really cool moment. Um, I love the fact that she is back. I think she's, you know, from a from a tactical standpoint and what Chelsea need in midfield, you know, obviously you can't rush her back into full minutes, but I thought it was great to get this first step. Um, what what did you think and what do you think overall? We, we've kind of heard recently, you know, with Sarah Bjork Gunnar's daughter of, of having, you know, publicizing in the piece she wrote for the Players' Tribune 
uh, about her issues at uh, Lyon with having a baby and, you know, very different scenario for Melly. So kind of what, what are your thoughts on just like that whole entire experience and then her coming back? I think uh, I feel pretty much the same, you know, when we heard that Kira Walsh was being bought from FC Barcelona for a record fee in the mm-hmm. women's game. I feel the same way when a player comes back to, comes back on the pitch uh, after giving birth. That's the same feeling because I think it's it's important, like milestones in the women's game, uh, that you know it it makes it 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 makes me feel that we have reached a point where everything is possible in the women's game as mm-hmm. it should be. Uh, so we have a, a bunch of them uh, heroes, I would call mm-hmm. them at the moment, and role models, models uh, obviously also because we have two players in Sweden, uh, Jessica Wik and Elin Rubenson, uh, and then you have Sarbjörn Gunnarsdottir, uh, Emma Mukandi, Redding, obviously. Now we also have Melanie Lopods. So and there are many more, uh, but. I feel it's it's such a good moment for the game in itself uh, when when players return on the pitch, uh, getting subbed in, just back in the game. Um, so so that's one thing. The other thing is that I've been thinking about this a lot, like from when when Sara Björk uh, came out with that piece that she had written for the Players Tribune, uh, mm. that it's it's. It's like with the ice, uh, ice, ice baby match <laughs> uh, last weekend that we think that we are so far ahead, but yeah. then we see that, okay, no, stop. We need to get ourselves uh, back to reality uh, and just realize that we have so many things left to do uh, and there's work to be done. Um, I, th- I think it's, it's sad when you see things uh, like with the, what uh, Sara Björk told us in her piece. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, but the thing is that I, I, I remember when I saw her return on the pitch, like mm-hmm. you could really see that because this, it's the same thing with Melanie Lopez, actually. She hasn't been away for that long since mm-hmm. after giving birth, I, I would say. Yeah. Um, so obviously that's one thing uh, also for clubs to to like with the resources on how to help players get back uh, mm-hmm. into the game and then we have the female body and and everyone is different so it's 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 not a competition on who who is getting back the quickest from yeah. from giving birth but i do think that clubs like chelsea uh, can really provide a good uh, effort and and a lot of knowledge and and you know just a safety net around a player like Melanie Lopez and I do think that she has paved the way now for every player uh, coming to Chelsea uh, or all already placed in in Chelsea that this is this is possible yeah. and so that's my feeling about that. Yeah, I think those are very good points. And that's kind of the thing. You know, I, I love that Sarah Bjork, like, won her case. I think that was an important step as well. Um, she obviously had every right to. And, and you know, given given how that was and everything she wrote about how Leon handled that, it's also super disappointing to see that it was a club like Leon. 
who is, you know, kind of always held up as like they've cared about women's sports and being and women's football in particular and being excellent at it for a long time. And then you see something like this. So I think your point about, you know, realizing that we still have things to do, there's still a lot to fix is really important because of that particular thing happening at that particular club. Um, whereas, you know, the ability to, you know, give birth and come back and play shouldn't be a club to club thing. You know, we really have to make sure that every club is like this. I, I appreciate that Chelsea is, is doing this now and they should receive the spotlight for doing it without needing to be told or needing a court case to tell them what they need to do. But every club should also be there. So I, I kind of am in, am in two minds about that as well. So, um, but completely agree. So last thing we're going to talk about, this is a long episode, but we had a lot to talk about. And I thank, I thank Mia for a time as well, uh, because uh, very knowledgeable and needed, needed that knowledge to talk about some of these weird, um, maybe perhaps question mark position battles that have been happening within Chelsea's setup. Um, but let's talk about a, a player that Chelsea signed in January. Micah Hamano, who's 18-year-old Japanese striker, signed her, um, sent her on loan to Hammerby in uh, Sweden. She has two starts, and she has scored a brace in both of those starts. Um, a very interesting player, super interesting player, um, and I, I was intrigued. I think I, I, I became aware of her during the U20 World Cup that happened recently, and I think she won the golden boot in that tournament as well. Just seems to be a very intense uh, and very tenacious goal scorer. Um, what has been the talk in Sweden about her and what she's done since she's, I mean, two games, kind of wild. I think what we talk about here is that we can see that even though she's young, uh, she will start for Hammarby uh, in the Domalsvenskan. She will be a starter. I think she's kind of proved uh, that in these two friendlies that Hamabi has played as well. Uh, what is very, very interesting about Hamabi is that they are actually, I would say alongside Hecken, uh, that Hamabi is the only club with a men's team uh, in the club, also in the highest division in Sweden, Allsvenskan for the men's uh, mm-hmm. game, is that they are, it's a really good club. Uh, for a play like that to be in um in in Sweden and in the Swedish league uh, and women's football uh, Hammarby's fans and supporter are well known for <laughs> i mean they're always there um i would dare to say that Hammarby when they play um at their home ground Kanalplan in Stockholm by the way if any Chelsea fan has their like you know if you travel to Sweden or Stockholm uh, during the season, upcoming season, I would say that you should probably go and see a game uh, when Hammarby plays at home. Um, they they have a very central pitch uh, in Stock in in Stockholm, and they I would say that they average more uh, fans in the stands uh, at their home games than Chelsea does at King's Meadow from time oh, to time. Mm-hmm. So I do think it's a good environment for for a play like that to be in. Um, and and if she can like the thing is that we've seen it. The top scorer in the Damalsanskan this season was Amalie Vangskad from from Denmark. She played for Linköping and now she's at PSG. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that. There you can see the connections. Like, okay, this player's player may be young, but if she does well, 
uh, in Sweden. I do think that she she can really come to to Chelsea with a lot of valuable experience uh, in how to score goals, which I'm pretty sure that Chelsea will like. <laughs> Very true. Uh, another another player who can capitalize on the tap tap boom uh, style of play, <laughs> which I just love that. I don't know why it just it makes me happy. Um, yeah, I love that. I think I think what we're gonna have to do is uh, check in with Mia periodically throughout the 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 season just to check in and see how that loan is going. I mean, she's had a great start so far, but of course, want to see her. You know, multiple games under her belt, she's still able to be as effective. And even if she's not scoring, how's the movement? What else is she doing? And again, with all the caveat, she's only 18 years old. So <laughs> plenty of future, time to grow and develop. future is bright, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> Thank you so much for stopping by the Fight Club. Again, uh, this is great. You're like you're basically our third co-host now. So I, I don't know if you've realized you've been hired, but you can go ahead and put that on your resume. Yeah, I'm going to do that now. <laughs> uh, actually, yeah, it's it's been fun as always. And great to to talk football and Chelsea and the tap tap boom uh, has made it into <laughs> the Frank Kirby Fight Club I'm glad yes <laughs> and uh where can people follow you if you want them to yeah if you want to follow me I'm uh, on Twitter at Mia underscore Eriksson that's the real Swedish accent of it um <laughs> yeah that that's go to twitter if you have twitter there we go there we go so really really appreciate it chelsea's next match is a league match against spurs next weekend really tired of playing liverpool and spurs every other week so i'm gonna gonna be great when we can play a different match which is gonna happen midweek after that match because we play west ham uh which is a semifinal of the conti cup uh so that's gonna be an interesting thing and then after that there's an international break so we will be here to talk about those matches um, to go through all of that, kind of keep an eye on the trends that we've discussed in this podcast. But until then, please remember to spread the good word of one fan. Page.